Hello, my friends. I saw a story over the weekend, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Maybe you saw it, too. It was everywhere. The identical story with the identical headline in the Toronto Star, CBC, CTV, CP24. Even the Toronto Sun ran the same story. And it was attacking Pierre Polyev word for word. How did that happen? That so-called media competitors wrote the same thing. I'll show you how and who was behind it. That's ahead. But first, I want you to subscribe to what we call Rebel News Plus. It's the video version of this podcast, and I really think it helps us tell the story because we show you so many things, either video clips or documents. I want to show you how the Toronto Sun depicted the story, for example. I want to show you visually how they all copied each other. To get the visual version, go to Rebel News Plus. Dot com. That's what we call the video versions. It's eight bucks a month, and I know that's not a lot of dough to you, but let me tell you, it's a lot to us because it adds up. When enough people subscribe, we can really pay our bills here. It's the only way we can because Trudeau has demonetized us. Well, YouTube demonetized us, and Trudeau would never give us a grant, and we would never take it from him. So please subscribe to help us out and to get great video content at rebelnewsplus.com. Tonight, let me show you how Trudeau's office plants an identical story in the entire regime media. It's August 14th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Hey, look at this story on CTV. The headline is... Polyev's conservative party embracing language of mainstream conspiracy theories. That's the headline. I'll, I'll read the story in a moment. But before I do, look at this story in the CBC, not CTV. CBC says, Polyev's conservative party embracing language of mainstream conspiracy theories. Hang on, isn't that literally word for word the same headline? Well, let's check in with the competition another TV station called City News. Their headline is, Polyev's Conservative Party Embracing Language of Mainstream Conspiracy Theories. Word for word. Okay, how about the Toronto Star? It's a newspaper now, not a TV station. Their headline, Polyev's Conservative Party Embracing Language of Mainstream Conspiracy Theories. <laughs> Let's try that one more. Here's a, an all-news channel in Toronto called CP24. Polyev's conservative party embracing language of mainstream conspiracy theories. Even the allegedly conservative Toronto Sun was on it. They have the same story, even though they put their own headline on it called Just Pandering. But the story that follows is identical, word for word. They're all in on it. Every one of them. By the way, those aren't just branches of the same company. I mean, CP24 and CTV are part of the same company. But the rest are, are owned by different owners. Now, all of the owners are heavily regulated by Trudeau, and all are heavily subsidized by Trudeau. 
only the CBC is officially a state broadcaster owned outright by the government, but the rest are rented by the government, which actually makes them more obedient because they're desperately, constantly lobbying for the next grant from Trudeau. I mean, I could stop here, and that's huge news, what I just showed you. It's embarrassing to the journalists if they were capable of embarrassment, but they're not. So let me show you some more. Here's Katie Telford, Trudeau's chief of staff. Polyev's conservative party embracing language of mainstream conspiracy theories. You can see she's linking to one of the stories. Now, Telford herself didn't write the story. I'll show you who wrote the story in a moment. But yesterday morning, she made a point of tweeting it. Telford. Now, like I say, she's the chief of staff. Um, she's the second in command for Trudeau after Gerald Butts the corrupt lobbyist who orchestrated the firing of Jody Wilson-Raybould as justice minister because Wilson-Raybould wouldn't call off the corruption trial of Trudeau's friends at SNC-Lavalin. My point about Telford is that she is a top dog. The Liberals have 158 MPs and hundreds of communication staff. The Liberal Party itself has a large following, including 400,000 on Twitter. Telford's job is not a press secretary, and she really doesn't tweet that much, usually just once or twice a day, often high-minded policy tweets, usually retweeting cabinet ministers. So when Katie Telford weighs in on a Sunday morning, it's for a reason. She herself doesn't have a particularly large Twitter following, but it's probably the most influential Twitter following in Ottawa. Every journalist, every lobbyist, every hanger-on follows her. So that's what she was doing. She was talking to the Liberal Party's real base, the media. This was her bat signal, like in the Batman series, her way of calling to her whole tribe. This is the message we all have to deliver, get the bat signal going. And they all did, didn't they? It was like watching a flock of birds align in perfect formation. The article itself was written by a reporter named Mickey Jurich. I I'd never heard of her before. The reason why the article appeared in so many different publications simultaneously is that it was published by a newswire called Canadian Press, which has a stable of their own reporters, and other news companies can subscribe to Canadian Press and republish whatever they like from it. Newswires are useful for covering things that a local newspaper can't attend in person. For example, newswires are useful for covering foreign news. That's actually how they got going over 100 years ago. A local newspaper couldn't afford to have someone in Washington and London and Paris and Moscow, but news agencies like Reuters could, and that's how they made money. But of course, Every subscribing newspaper was relying on that same Newswire reporter. That's what the Canadian press is. It's also called CP. By the way, we subscribe to CP for photos because we don't have a cameraman everywhere in the country. Obviously, we would never run CP's written propaganda like this, but our thinking is a picture is generally just a picture, and so we pay for them. We're part of CP, too, in a way. Of course, Mickey Jurich of Canadian Press isn't based in some far-flung region. She's just in Ottawa, along with hundreds of other journalists. Um, here's her LinkedIn biography. You can see that before she worked for CP, she worked for the CBC. It really is one big club, and you're not in it. The story, and I'll read it in a moment, isn't some unique insight or like a foreign newswire, something that was very difficult to get for a Canadian media company to do. It was just a Liberal Party spin. It was a hit piece on Polyev, which is why Katie Kel Telford was so excited about it.
By the way, you can see Mickey Jurich's recent work on her LinkedIn page. She just ran a story a couple weeks ago with the opening line, Polly have falsely claimed people will not be able to see news on the internet under the new law. She was talking about C-18, which of course, Polly was actually saying the exact truth. Facebook and Google are stopping to publish links to Canadian news sites because Trudeau is proposing to tax them for even publishing a link on their websites. It's so obvious don't, uh, you know, don't take it from me, take it from every other media company that's squawking about the mess Trudeau's made with C-18, but Mickey Jurich is a reliable Liberal Party asset. Polyev is lying. No, it, it's, he's not. Anyway, just FYI, the Canadian press itself is owned by the Toronto Star, the Globe and Mail, and La Presse, three of the largest recipients of Trudeau's bailout money, so it's just as liberal as they are. So let's finally read the story a bit. I'll, I'll choose the version from CBC's own website, but they're all the same. Polyev's Conservative Party embracing language of mainstream conspiracy theories. Tory leaders' summer stump speeches include ramped-up rhetoric about the World Economic Forum. First of all, what is a mainstream conspiracy theory? What, what even is that? Isn't that a contradiction? If you ask me to name a mainstream conspiracy theory, I, I, I might say the idea that a carbon tax somehow can make the weather colder. Or, or something like that, or that men can be women, um, although that last one is only believed by experts, not by anyone real. Anyways, there's a picture of Polyev, and here's the caption under his photo. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev speaks at a news conference on Parliament Hill on August 1st. Some of Polyev's recent speeches have featured ramped-up rhetoric around debunked claims that the World Economic Forum is attempting to impose its agenda on sovereign governments. Okay, good. I'd, I'd like to know what debunk claims Polly have mentioned. Um, I mean, we've been promised a conspiracy theory by this story and the tweets and the headlines, and we've been promised that that conspiracy theory is going to be debunked. So, so let's hear it. I'm very curious, aren't you? Conservative leader Pierre Polyev has been hitting the summer barbecue circuit with ramped-up rhetoric around debunked claims that the World Economic Forum is attempting to impose its agenda on sovereign governments. It is, some experts suggest, another sign that some conspiracy theories are moving from the fringes of the internet to mainstream thinking as people's distrust of government grows. In speeches to conservative supporters across Canada, Polyev has promised that none of his ministers will attend international organizations' conferences, including the annual meeting typically held in Davos, Switzerland. Okay, hang on. You, you've moved on to what Pierre... Polyev said he's going to do about it, stopping his cabinet ministers from attending the World Economic Forum. But you skipped over the part where you, where you quote him, you know, the part that you sold in your headline and the photo caption. What's the conspiracy theory he said? Give me the words. What did he say? And show me how it's being debunked. Maybe they're just waiting to tell us. Maybe they're saving the best for last. Let's keep reading. It's far past time we rejected the globalist Davos elites and bring home the common sense of the common people said a Saturday fundraising email. Okay, that's different than a stump speech, isn't it? The Conservative Party also recently sent out mailers with a poll asking people to tell Prime Minister Justin Trudeau who they think the Prime Minister should stand with, Working Canadians or the World Economic Forum. Okay, we're, we're pretty deep into the story now. So where's the conspiracy theory part? Davos is the fancy skiing town in Switzerland where the World Economic Forum does meet every January. You might remember that I went there with an intrepid team from, uh, from Rebel News um, just in January, and it indeed was full of global elites. We bumped into John Kerry on the street. 
Secretary Kerry, do you think that the high price of natural gas is actually a helpful thing to get uh, people to transition to a green economy? I'd love to talk about it, but I just can't do it on the... I bumped into Tony Blair, former PM of uh, the UK. My favorite moment was scrumming Pfizer's chief executive officer, Albert Bourla, with my colleague Avi Yamini. I'm not going to show you the whole thing. It was a very exciting video, even though he, he didn't say a word, really. Uh, it, it's actually our most popular video we've ever published. Remember this? Mr. Bourla, can I ask you... When did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. I'm sorry. To that question. I mean, we, we now know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission, but why did you keep it secret? You said it was 100% effective, then 90%, then 80%, then 70%. But we now know that the vaccines do not trans stop transmission. Why did you keep that secret? Have a nice day. I won't have a nice day until I know the answer. Why did you keep it a secret that your vaccine did not stop transmission? Yeah, so that's Davos. Of course, it's full of elites. You don't get more elite than the CEO of Pfizer. So where's the conspiracy theory part? I'm still waiting for that. Here, I'll read some more. Maybe it's in the next paragraph. The wording implies Trudeau's cabinet is beholden to the latter, to, to the World Economic Forum. That, that's it? That, that's your conspiracy theory? That Polyev says, sorry, that he implies that Trudeau listens to the World Economic Forum too much? <laughs> I, I mean, isn't that just an opinion and frankly quite a reasonable one, given how deeply the liberals are connected to the World Economic Forum? Trudeau goes there all the time to give speeches and to have secret meetings off the record and out of bounds from real journalists. Uh, and Incredibly, his own deputy prime minister, Christian Freeland, literally sits on their board of directors. I don't know how that's even legal. Polyev implies that the liberals are too deep. Yeah, well, <laughs> so does the World Economic Forum website. And so does their cartoonish supervillain boss, Klaus Schwab. What we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, president of, of uh, Argentina and so on, so that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy right. forum. Yeah, what a gross, gross man. I hate hearing him say the word penetrate. Uh, I'll keep reading the story because surely that can't be the conspiracy theory part. Polyev did not agree to an interview on the matter. His spokesperson instead pointed the Canadian press to a clip of him at a rally in Penticton, B.C. in July, expressing concerns over the government invading people's personal privacy and financial decisions. There will be no mandatory digital ID in the country, and I will ban all of my ministers and top government officials from any involvement in the World Economic Forum, Polyev said, chuckling as he received lengthy applause for the remark. Oh, okay, so it's all very interesting, but what's the conspiracy theory part that I was promised by the CBC, CTV, City News, CP24, Toronto Star, even the Toronto Sun? I'm still waiting. Maybe it's this next one. Canada has long participated in World Economic Forum events. Former Conservative Prime Minister Stephen Harper and his cabinet ministers attended the summit regularly. 
Trudeau attended in person in 2016 and 2018, and his ministers have attended as well. Liberal Finance Minister Christian Freeland went to the most recent annual summit in January. Okay, that's very interesting, but again, we're very deep into the story now, and I have not yet seen the conspiracy theory part or the debunking part. I don't know, maybe it's this part? On digital IDs, the federal government has been looking at technology to create a national digital identification document to help people access government services. It has not been promoted as something that will become mandatory. Okay, so that's an interesting and worrying thing to watch. Uh, going to be a lookout for that. I mean, we know that Trudeau has brought in mandatory digital ID before. Remember the Arrive Can app for anyone who dared to travel outside of Canada during the pandemic? Mandatory vaccinations and proof thereof to fly or take the train or ship or cross the border. So we obviously know that Trudeau has, as a matter of historical fact, imposed mandatory digital ID on Canadians already. And he's a bit abusive about it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice. But don't think you can get on a plane or a train beside vaccinated people. And now is the time for people who are still resistant to getting vaccinated to realize that that choice, which has consequences on putting our kids at risk, which has consequences at having us risk uh, more lockdowns because they haven't chosen to get vaccinated yet, that there will be consequences for those people in not being able to go to a gym or a restaurant, not being able to go to a movie theater, not being able to get on a train or a plane. A mandatory digital ID isn't something to worry about as a possibility under Trudeau. But I, I think the next part is the conspiracy theory they mean. It's got to be. Last winter, a conspiracy theory circulating on social media suggested Trudeau was going to require provinces to sign on to digital ID systems for their residents in order to get billions in new healthcare funding. That conspiracy was also debunked. All right, by the way, we're 500 words into the story already, and this is the closest I've seen to their promise of a conspiracy theory that Polyev has been promoting and that has been debunked, except for, as you can see, it's got nothing to do with Polyev. It's literally a reference to some online meme from a year ago, apparently. And I, I don't know that meme. I don't know the allegation. They don't show it. It sounds like the journalism, uh, the journalist involved here doesn't know it either. So you'll forgive me for not taking it for granted that it has been debunked if they don't even show it in the first place. I mean, seriously, at this point, would you even trust this reporter if she told you that, oh, I don't know, the sky was blue without checking for yourself? So, so now they bring in an expert, a political science professor. Forgive me. I'm not sure how that's an expert. His name is Dwayne Brad. Let me read. Dwayne Brad, a political science professor at Mount Royal University in Calgary said some people have long embraced conspiracies, but now they have moved into mainstream politics. The big shift that we have seen is that it is now being promoted by someone who could be prime minister, said Bat. Polyev peddled the World Economic Forum control claims during the conservative leadership race in 2022, and it has emerged again as a regular talking point following the federal election in southern Manitoba, said Brad. Okay, can someone please show me, tell me, quote for me, what the conspiracy theory is? I was promised a conspiracy theory, people. I'm deep into the story. Look, I'm not going to read the entire article to you. You can read it for yourself. I did read it. Uh, I'm just not going to read it out loud to you. It is quite long, but I am telling you, it never shows you the conspiracy theory that Pierre Polyev is alleged to have promoted. 
And so obviously it never shows you the debunking of this imaginary conspiracy theory. But imagine being the journalist and her editor who were willing to put a misleading headline and tweet out there that was so obviously done in cooperation with the prime minister's office that they tweeted it out for him. That is actual misinformation, to use a Trudeau phrase, isn't it? I'm still waiting for my conspiracy people, and I demand it. <laughs> I just want to show you one more thing from this story. Khazar Ahmed, a politics professor at the University of Winnipeg, with a research specialty in conspiracy theories, said the number and uptake of conspiracy theories began to grow after the 2016 presidential election in the United States, aided by social media and encrypted messaging apps. But Ahmed said the biggest trigger was the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, so we've got an expert in conspiracy theories, which is very exciting. I didn't know there was such a thing, but I'm, I'm glad we have one. And he's talking about COVID-19 in the 2016 U.S. election. But, but I was promised a conspiracy theory by the World Economic Forum. I was told that Polyev was ramping up his rhetoric in a stump speech or even a fundraising letter. That's what the story promised. It's what Katie Telford promised. People, what have we come to if we can't trust Trudeau's right-hand woman or the CBC? What is the state of our country? It's weird how the Canadian press writes a very long story about the World Economic Forum without mentioning that Christia Freeland is actually on their board of governors. Isn't that weird? But no weirder than quoting Khazar Ahmed without showing that he's received massive grants from the Trudeau government and that he returned the favor with a series of cash donations right back to the Liberal Party. Hmm. I'm sure that was just an oversight. What a pack of liars these reporters are. But, but of course they are. When, when you take government money, that's what happens to you. The advantage of the Canadian press, as you just saw, is that it just takes one unethical journalist to infect every newspaper in the country that subscribes to it. They really are one big blob, aren't they? Oh, by the way, here's Christia Freeland talking about the World Economic Forum when she was a re reporter a few years back. This is a great National Post column about it by Rupa Subramania that quotes from Freeland's own book, called Plutocrats. It was an awful book. I read it about 10 years ago, and it's basically Freeland traveling around on private jets, sucking up to all these billionaires while pretending to hold them to account. Sort of the perfect person for Trudeau's government, isn't she? By the way, Freeland was George Soros's official biographer when she first ran for parliament, isn't she? She wasn't a real journalist at all. She was hired to puff him up and fluff him up. Here's an excerpt from her book as quoted by Rupa Subramania. Often, a big intrusive state is the plutocrat's best friend. Some far-sighted plutocrats try to use their money not merely to buy public office for themselves, but to redirect the reigning ideology of a nation, a region, or even the world. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say every single thing Pierre Polyev has said about the World Economic Forum is true. And the only conspiracy here is the corruption of so many pretend independent news companies to make them all regurgitate the same poorly written, poorly researched wire story whose headline is an unethical lie. Misinformation, in fact, as they say. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, you might remember about a week or so ago, I went to Portland, Oregon, the first time I'd ever been to that city 
It's a gorgeous city, although it has a terrible crime problem, homelessness problem. But I think one of the most dangerous feelings in that city is the street crime of a political nature. Antifa, the so-called anti-fascists, who are quite fascist in their own conduct, they rule the streets. I was in that town because Andy No, an independent journalist who was beaten and nearly killed by Antifa, managed to identify some of the Antifa thugs who attacked him. They were actually captured on closed-circuit TV. And incredibly, one of them even videotaped her attacks on Andy No. It was all there, and I sat in the courthouse as the evidence was played for the jury, and as Andy No testified in great detail. It was shocking, and I felt like I was in a kind of mafia trial because Antifa had packed the court and were clearly menacing the jurors. In fact, at one point, one of the lawyers for Antifa said to the jurors, I'll remember your faces. How is that not a threat? Well, it worked incredibly. Despite the video evidence, the incontrovertible evidence, the jury dismissed the suit. Antifa runs Portland. Well, good thing we don't live there, right? Well, here's the bad news. Antifa is putting down roots in Canada, too. They're strong in certain cities, Ottawa, Toronto, and especially Montreal. And joining us now in studio is our Montreal-based correspondent, our friend Alexa Lavoie, to talk about what she saw when she encountered Antifa and a few other protests she's been to lately. Alexa, great to see you. Welcome to our world headquarters here. Nice <laughs> to see you in person. Nice to see you too, Ezra. Well, I wanted to tell that story because what I saw in Portland was what happens when neither the police, nor the media, nor the prosecutors, nor the juries, nor the judges will stand up to Antifa. Antifa runs Portland. It's actually terrifying. Can you tell us about Antifa in Montreal? We have a video clip. Set it up a little bit, and then we'll watch the video. Yeah, um, it was the 5th of August. I was uh, currently at a Canada uh, place. So it's the part where the statue of John A. McDonald, who was toppled uh, two years ago, and uh, the trans march was starting at this place, and afterwards they were going to take a march to Place Dupuis. So we went there, me and Guillaume Roy, my uh, camera videographer, um, to just interview people about, I think, really important topic, and it's a, especially important to have not only the take on one side, but both sides, so we can actually understand more the vision of the people. So this was a trans, a transgender march, yeah. but there were Antifa at the transgender yes. march? Yes. Okay, well, let's take a look together at what happened. I define myself as a non-binary degenerate. I am a non-binary trans-feminine person. Pourquoi? Ça fait partie de mon dent, cette genre. Je pense que c'est dans ton intérêt de partir, malheureusement. C'est pas rien. Allez, dans votre couverture de merde. Allez, décollez. Allez, bye! Faites votre travail, puis évitez de me filmer, s'il vous plaît, puis de prendre. Je suis dans le genre mes droits. 
On est au Canada, j'ai le droit de. Vous n'avez pas le droit de me toucher puis de me pousser. Mettez pas le comme ça proche de moi. Respectez la distance aussi avec moi. J'ai une bonne distance avec vous, monsieur. Fait que vous êtes avisé. Vous, on vous demande d'aller plus loin. Pourquoi vous n'avez pas agi la première fois que je suis venu vous voir pour l'harcèlement que je subissais? Hey, écoutez, ben, monsieur, je pense que j'ai dans mon droit de vous poser des questions, hein? That's so frustrating to me. So what I saw there was at first people were willing to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, it's a protest. The whole point of a protest is to get publicity. And you gave them publicity. You pointed at them. You you didn't maliciously edit it. You, I mean, listen, they said such unusual things. We, why would we edit it? We want to show our people. But then they got a little violent, a little pushy and shovey, and they do that move with the umbrellas mm -hmm. to block people from witnessing if they punch or, God forbid, even stab you. And the most incredible part, there were sort of three scenes there, wasn't it? The first scene was the trans people just talking about their ideas. The second was the Antifa getting a little violent, but the third was the most disappointing. That was a police officer at the end, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Threatening you, back off, or, or I don't know what the or else was, and then he ran away from you. Instead of protecting you, he was threatening you. And and this is actually what I noticed. I was like, okay, I'm going to go there. I'm going to interview some people. If some individual come to me and start to harass or causing trouble or confrontation, I'm going to go straight to the police, yeah. warn them mm -hmm. that something is happening if they can actually talk with these people and make sure that I'm in a, in a safe space, that I just question the people, they are free to answer to me. I'm not there to confront nobody. I'm just here to ask questions as what media do. And I went there, I talked with the, the police officer. They say that they will keep an eye on them, that I'm free to ask questions because we are in the public space. There is no problem there. And when I came back and said, can you please do something? Mm -hmm. It's when everything escalated. The Antifa came out, the pink block. I don't know if you ever heard about I've the never pink heard block. The, I've heard the black block. I haven't heard the pink block. The pink block is anarcho-queer. So it's, it's the queer people that are anarchists, but they are also in the movement of probably anti-fascists. Um, so they came to us, they tried to block also our camera. They asked us to leave. They say that we were intimidating people there, but I say, but people were really open you to know, talk I've known to you me. for a couple of years. I do not think you've ever shown yourself to be intimidating. No. It's a lie. It's a lie. But it seems that The Antifa movement, mm -hmm. the anarchist movement, the left movement have hijacked the community people. Right. Because when I was reading on their website, they warned people, do not talk to media. Refer them to the people in charge of the protest or the march. Um, they say they ban rebel news and all the right-wing uh, media, as they called, because they say that We should not welcome them, but that just show the intolerance and the fact that they do discrimination for media and they just welcome the media who are on their side, that is the state media. But by the way, I think that the way we report on these protests is very fair. I think we, we often let the cameras run. We don't falsely edit things. There's no reason why they shouldn't talk to you. Um, we do not alter or manipulate our coverage of it. And 
I think they're the intolerant ones. We have not done anything that would cause them to ban us. I don't know how you can ban a journalist from a public place <laughs> yes. other than through threats of violence. And that's what's disappointing about the police. Mm -hmm. Listen, I want to make sure that going forward, if you go to events like this, that we have private security for you also. Now, I understand what you're saying. There's all these police there. Any citizen should think, well, I'm safe because there's so many cops. But those cops were not going to help you. I, did you have security, private security? I didn't have some because I was, first of all, going with really a good mood, open mind, and people were really friendly with me. And as you cannot see from the video, I was talking with uh, one of the spokesperson for Quebec Solidaire. Oh, I remember her, Manon. Is that Manon Massé. That's right, I recognized her. And she's always been friendly to you. She's yes. done interviews with you. I think on election night she did an interview, or during the campaign. Yeah. So she's friendly. She's friendly. And she's very left-wing, but she's at least believes in dialogue. Exactly. And every single person from the left should... Take her example. She's and not you've afraid. Never, you've never misquoted her. You've nope. never been unfair to her. You give, and I'm not saying our viewers are going to suddenly become hardcore leftists and support her, but that's part of the public debate. Yeah. And I think it's in the public interest that people are see the other side of the story from yeah. the, the people who are more leftists. In the park, I'm not even sure that everybody is from the left. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking that most of them are not really politically involved. Exactly. Well, listen, um, I'm, it, it made sense to go to that event. You didn't think it would be dangerous. The police were there. But just in the future, I just... Nothing bad happened, and the police were right there. And hope, but in the future, please. And I, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying, um, let's get security to to come with you because this is more proof that the police are becoming a little bit more like the police in Portland. Mm -hmm. So, you you didn't do anything wrong. I'm just saying for the future. If you go to a public thing like that, let's bring a private security guard for you also because the thing about Antifa, they don't have the same. Um, compunction about hitting a woman or hitting someone smaller than them. And just to make me feel safer, <laughs> let's get, it's for me, it's so I feel calmer. You, you, you obviously did fine, you did everything right, but just going forward, let's get you more protection. I'm worried because if they've got your name on a website, don't talk to Rebel News, they're obviously watching out for you. Oh, they and, know me. And I want to make sure that you're never in trouble. And Guillaume is there, our cameraman, but he's looking through his camera and maybe he doesn't see someone coming. All right, I'll stop talking about that. But that is a factor that Rebel News has to deal with because we, our people are pushed around more than any other because we tell the truth. Okay, you've got two more clips. Why don't you introduce the next video clip and we'll show our viewers. I went to the Pride Parade in Montreal. So um, supposed to be a really family friendly event. So I went there and I noticed that CBC was in the parade hmm. and a lot of state organization, company, a corporation. Um, there is, there was also the famous fetish pet play. Um, I don't know how to call People them. People dress up as dogs. Yes. I find those really unusual. I, I, I guess that's a thing. I'm, I'm very sheltered, I guess. If, uh, here, let's take, let's just take a look. <laughs> it's just so in here. Welcome to your world in 2023. Let's take a look. A man that dresses up like a woman a few times a year. So, do, do you find that the um, Pride Parade is a fr family friendly event? Um, sometimes. <laughs> what do you mean by sometimes? 
Uh, it depends on how uh, like sexually explicit the performers mm-hmm. are during the, the dances and the shows. A pet. Um, I identify as like a furry a cat. Um, so I, I think I'm just representing that within the parade. Since when you started to identify yourself as a pet? Uh, like 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, but this sort of thing, middle of the afternoon, the parade, I think it's a great educational experience for kids and bring it on. just a few like that's a lot now i'm not implying that you're an expert on this i just do they pretend do they think they're dogs or is it just like a you is it just like dressing up as a cop or dressing up like i remember in the there was a band about 40 years ago called the village people they sang the song ymca and one of them dressed as a cop and one dressed as a an indian and one dressed i forget what they dressed up as but it was like just a costume like halloween Mm -hmm. Is this just a costume, or do these people actually identify as a dog? Is this part of their sexual gender identity, I am a dog? I think there is both. So there is some people who like to play, pet play, that they say don't. you have like the person who are submissive and the person who are dominant. So this is actually a sexual fetishism. Um, there is, I saw myself, a woman that say that since 15 years, she identify herself as a cat. So um, I think you have both in this, oh, that I would call it a whole world. Oh my God. You know what? It's, I shouldn't laugh because I know in the city of Toronto, there are schools where children, where school children identify as cats and they put kitty litter in the bathrooms. I just, it's madness. I think you have one more video because you saw some political leaders there. Let's take a quick look at this last video. Well, every progressive politician um, is in the gay pride parade, I'm sure. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Justin Trudeau was there, or, or, or did he miss it? No, it was uh, Stephen Gilbo and Melanie Jolie that uh, were there for marching, and of course, Jagmeet Singh. Right. Um, I'm surprised Jagmeet Singh removed his really expensive watch and uh, he didn't wear like his really expensive suit. Did he too. have his Sikh bracelet on? I didn't see any uh, bracelet or anything. It's very, very interesting. And um, let me ask you one last question about that pride parade. In some gay pride parades across Canada, police march with the protest. In some, police protect the protest. In others, police are banned from the protest. 
Were police banned from this one? Do you know? I know that there were some people who were wearing some sign against the police. Right. I saw uh, I saw some security who were protecting people for not going in the middle of right. the path. Right. Um, but I didn't see that much cop. I saw that there was a lot of, of cop, but they were in the metro. They were in the street. Right. They were, but not that much inside. Okay. Of the I'm just parade. curious because in some cities, I think Vancouver, for example, they banned police, which is certainly not very inclusive or very tolerant. We live in the strangest of days. Those dog uniforms. I, I'm just curious, but I, I don't think I'm going to look into it. I think I've had enough drama for the day. Listen, Alexis, great to see you. Stay safe out there. You're in a city with a little bit of wackiness Ooh, yeah. in it. And um, <laughs> staying safe is very important to us because people, even though we don't provoke it and we don't deserve it, sometimes they hit out at us because we have a different point of view. That used to be called diversity, but it's not allowed. So I want, I want you to be safe, and I know you will be, and, and uh, with Guillaume, and uh, when you need to, let's have a bodyguard with you out there. It's great to see you in person. Great to see you. All right, there you have it, Alexa Lavoie, our chief Quebec correspondent. Stay with us. Your letters to me next. Welcome back. Your letters to me. Joseph P.K. writes about my interview with Tamara Legion. Before I even read them, let me confess that I watched the interview. And I'm sort of embarrassed that I, not that I was gushing or a fanboy. I, I'm not embarrassed by that. I talk too much. I think it's, I wanted to say all these things to her. I really haven't had a heart to heart with her like that in a while. And so I watched the interview and I sort of was wishing I, I had said less and given her more time to talk. Uh, so I apologize for that. I, I think I was just truly emotionally um, carried away. I really admire her. And I should tell you, having spent some time with her, she's exactly the same in private as she is in public. And it's been a pleasure working with her. All right, let me read the letters. Joseph P.K. says, she's sitting with a man that fought for her right to publish a book that speaks against the liberal narrative. He's sitting with a woman that's fighting for your right to redress your grievances with your government without being jailed as a political prisoner. Both these people are modern day history in the making. And we should all owe them a debt of gratitude for their courage and perseverance in the face of tyranny. Let the law do its work without political interference, and Canada has a chance of remaining a democracy. Well, thank you very much for the flattery towards me. I, I think um, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but I want, I want to acknowledge that whatever strength I have, it comes from our viewers, because we're crowdfunding the legal defense. We're crowdfunding and we're sending the dough via the democracy fund, which pays for it. So really... Uh, I'm just the organizers. The donors are the heroes on our side, but Tamara is definitely the one who suffered. She was the one who was thrown in prison. She was the one who never blinked. She said they offered her plea deals to make it go away, and she said never. She wants to be acquitted and vindicated, and I want that for her too. Alex Greer says, congratulations to Sheila and the staff at Rebel News for producing the Church Under Fire documentary. I was at the showing at the Church of the Vine, and Tamara Leach was there too. This documentary is chilling and is quite a wake-up call, especially for those of us, the older generations, who remember Canada as a Christian country. That is a very scary movie. I've had the pleasure of watching it a number of times. And I say pleasure. It's actually not pleasant because I 
get furious. It's, it's very well done documentary, one of the best things we ever made. But I leave that movie filled with a sense that justice is not yet being served. Not Happy Gilmore says, I'm not religious, but I'm angry at the treatment of the people in this country. I'm also a former liberal and federal employee. Thank you, Ezra and Sheila, for your great work. Go Polyev. I, you know what? I, I think you're where I am. I'm not Christian myself. I'm Jewish. I have an admiration for Christians. And there's two scenes in that movie when you see police go into a church during a service with firearms on. That is Actually, there's three scenes of that. That's so un-Canadian, and I don't mean to be dramatic, but all I can think of when I see that is sort of Nazis going into Jewish buildings or synagogues during the Holocaust, even if it's just in a reenactment like the movie Schindler's List. You know, when you see heavily armed stormtroopers, one of the cops in the church in New Brunswick had a, had a hand on a firearm. Why are you going into a church a crowded church with your hand on your firearm. Why are you in there at all during a service, let alone with a gun, let alone with your hand on your gun? Who are you going to shoot? There's so much justice that has not yet been done. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm.